Good evening, and welcome to another technically challenged issue <laughs> issue of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. I think. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. I think I'm live. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're. I think you're good. We la- the, we tried on Monday night. You were not good. Now we're trying again on Wednesday night. We'll see. It's my problem. So, um, we will see. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, summertime edition. We're back from our break. We're ready to roll. Rob, it is 30 days to, I, I don't even know. I, I'm Next Tuesday, the women's soccer team has an exhibition match at home against Marshall. Um, three weeks from really? tonight. Yeah, three okay. weeks from tomorrow, when most people will listen to this on Thursday, women's soccer is at VCU in an official game. So we are down to it. And then, of course, September the 4th. So a month from yesterday, uh, <laughs> JMU will be home in Bridgeport Stadium, presumably with a full, a rather normal crowd and a tailgate scene and everything else. So pretty exciting. Yeah. No, it's, it's getting close. And I see the Walter Payton Award list watch oh, list yeah. was released. Percy's on it, deservedly so. So, yeah, it's, it's starting to, to heat up. We're getting a little bit closer. Yeah, um, it's really great. Actually, the Percy thing, I was good. that was on my little list of starting things, Rob. I mean, I'm so glad he's on it to begin with. You know, so many times we've had these problems in the past where players we think are going to have big seasons. You know, it seems like it's always won by someone who started the season on the list, basically. Yeah, I mean, there's certain – there's like a – I don't want to say inertia, but it's similar to the rankings. You know, if you yes. start – if you start unranked and go undefeated, you're only going to go so high in most cases. Um, right. Versus if you start in the top five and have one loss, you know, in a lot of cases we see with the FBS playoff, you never fall further than ninth or tenth. You know, so it's it yeah. tends to be pretty sticky. Yeah, and I know the running back room is great, but I am just I'm really really excited about Percy's potential this year. We'll get to that in the, we'll get to that in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're going to do all the like official football preview stuff coming up. Uh, Rob, a couple other notes before we get to – so we're going to do a realignment show tonight, everybody. We're, we're going to knock this out early in August and because it has that we have to have this discussion. Um, we're actually kind of glad we didn't pod on Monday and that we did it on Wednesday because we got this joint statement from Alger and Bourne. We'll get to that. Um, but a couple other notes, Rob. I just – did you see there was 11 former Dukes um, in training camps with NFL teams right now, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we'll probably go – yeah, it's a lot. And then that doesn't even include, I noticed like John Filippo with the Bears, um, who's the passing game quarterback and quarterback, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Early returns on Justin Fields are very strong. Um, Justin Riscotti is with the Broncos and Blaine Stewart is with the Steelers. So um, some coaches in addition to the 11 players. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, we'll, we'll get around the NFL as training camps develop. A uh, great piece of hoops news, Rob. I'm sure you saw Matt, Matt Lewis uh, is on the Timberwolves Summer League roster. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, that, that Summer League is a little bit different. It's not quite the same as like getting NFL training camp, but you can play your way into consideration to at least be on the team. And I, I think uh, for a guy like Matt, this is an opportunity, probably a ceiling this year. I, I don't mean to downplay this, but I think a two-way contract would be the ultimate goal. Sure. Where you split time between the G League and the NBA. That's what Nathan Knight had last year. Uh, from William Mary with Atlanta Hawks. He played very well, and then he just signed a new one. With the Timberwolves. Sport. With the Timberwolves, yeah, okay. So um, and I'm going to watch – we are going to watch a lot of uh, T-Wolves Summer League because Isaiah Miller, my favorite player from UNCG, mm-hmm. also signed with the Timberwolves. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this is going to be a, a loaded uh, sort of <laughs> mid-Atlantic field here. opportunity. Yeah. Who was the last guy to play in the Summer League from Jamie? Denzel? Probably was. I don't know of anyone. I can't think of anyone else. I mean, if you're going to count Charles Cook, I think he did. But oh, that's yeah, coming yeah. Off, of, off of his Dayton career. I, um, I think Denzel was the last guy I can think of that was on the Summer League squad. Well, and so I feel cool. like Matt Lewis, I mean, if he's healthy, I, you know, we've talked about this over and over. But, I mean, who knows whether the NBA, but I, I just – he has a pro career. Yeah. You know, uh, this he has a profession ahead of him for the next 10 years if he can stay healthy, I think. And I'm not saying he's going to end up in one of the top European teams, but I don't think he's going to be one of these guys 
running around in second, third, in like third and fourth tier leagues. No, like I think he's going to have a consistent career in Europe should he want it. Yeah, um, but I, obviously that's probably not his goal. And I think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could play his way certainly onto a G League roster. But from there, you know, he could he could land in the NBA. So good luck to him. Yes, that that's really cool. Uh, and then the other thing I, I did see today. Um, you know, there's like 800 rankings for some of the Olympic sports, but men's soccer starting the season at 21st. Uh, so again, kind of nice to, you know, get some accolades coming into the season, have some expectations. They obviously start the season with defending champion Marshall. Uh, so <laughs> we'll get a real good look at uh, how warranted that ranking is uh, really early on. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but also very cool. Uh, so just a lot of good news that isn't just football or realignment related. Um, and one of the good pieces of news is Mossy Creek is going to be back with us for another season. Uh, big thanks to our friends down there in Harrisonburg at Mossy Creek Fly Fishing. Mm-hmm. Rob, I actually got to hang out with both Colby and Brian this past weekend. And uh, we're really working on a, we're finally, you know, we are really crossing our fingers and trying to put together some kind of JMUSB trip slash lesson program this fall so oh, be fantastic yeah be we will uh we will try to get some information out to you all as the season goes along i think i i you know there's no guarantee on anything but rob we are we are looking at a at an all skate for for homecoming potentially this year so you know kind of angling towards that weekend we'll see um but we'll let y'all know as soon as we have any more information on that Go by the, the shop. They are super busy right now. It's a great time. The weather was incredible today. I know it's supposed to get really hot again next week. But, uh, you know, good time to get out there, get everything you need for the fall as the weather gets really good. Uh, and if you mention the podcast, you get a free sticker from Mossy Creek. So uh, big thanks to them and looking forward to doing something with them this fall. Uh, I don't have – I was trying to think, Rob. I mean, you, you know – Oh, I saw those guys, by the way, I, when you were you were on your vacation, but mm-hmm. I saw those guys at a little uh, I was in Harrisonburg this past weekend and there was kind of a event where we had some hideout Jack Brown's hideaway bartenders at. Oh. Uh, it was kind of an outdoor thing. Anyways, very cool down in, you know, McGackiesville, really, not really Harrisonburg, but I did. Close enough. Yeah, close enough. So uh, pretty great. Um, I don't know. I had a note I can't interpret here, but. I think that's it, Rob. I think we really want to talk about. You can start us off. So I, I don't know where. How do we want to start this tonight, Rob? Big Twelve dying. I mean, is it? Yeah. I mean, it, let's let's just kind of reset the big picture and then walk down to JMU as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, as much as we can is the key thing there because all we know is obviously anybody who's a college football fan has been paying attention. Kind of the inevitable is happening and there seems to be some sort of movement to coalesce around a super conference or, or super league, um, mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma first, first two big pieces to fall. They announced their intention to leave the big 12, what, what, 48 hours later, done deal, SEC, blah, 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 blah. Now it's like all hands on deck from all the other major conferences trying to stay major conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they sense blood in the water. The big shock for me is there seems to be serious, serious, uh, media attention around the AAC being the aggressor here rather than the kind of P6 conference that will be rated. Um, most people seem to think that due to mostly their location and kind of media markets, yada, 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 they can pick up the pieces of the Big 12, them or, or the Pac-12. So the Big 12 seems to be on very, very thin ice. Yeah. Um, and- but the, the thing, and then basically from Jamie's perspective is, Jamie fans need to be hoping that this is the big one that kind of burns the whole system down. Or it doesn't burn the whole system down, but has ripple effects and aftershocks in literally every single conference mm-hmm. to the point where the East Coast G5 or Eastern base G5, that's essentially burned to the ground and they need to start over. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's, I, I know there have been many JMU fans who think that by tweeting softball scores and soccer scores to the American conference, that will eventually, you know, win them over. That ain't ever happening. Mm-hmm. Never, ever. Well, it will. The only way it ever happens is if the big 12 or another conference is the aggressor and it pummels the AAC to the point where it's the conference starting over. 
Um, I'm sorry, that's just the reality. Like they're trying to use this as an opportunity to become either to make it P6 officially or to replace the Big 12 in the P5. No matter how successful JMU is at a total athletic department perspective, there's still a stigma. If you're trying to move up in prestige, you're not going to take an FCS call. You're just not. Um, yeah. Debate the logic or debate if Jamie would be better fit, blah, blah, blah. It's, that's it. That's the reality. Um, my preference would be for the Big 12 to be the aggressor and to obviously break up the AAC. Then they would go after the Sun Belt, Sun Belt, CSU. That blows up. And then people take the name, take the auto bid, and reconstitute with you know five base schools and five new schools. Mm-hmm. That's the best case scenario. And in fact, for me, probably the only scenario where I see Jamie making move. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I, th- I think it's about the, for us, it's about the group of five ultimately yes. seeing, having a breakup or a reshuffling. I, I actually do think, I do think on a big picture level, we should start with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. I, I think that the likelihood of the P5 reshuffling or the G5, excuse me, the lower tiered conferences reshuffling, the likelihood of that happening increased tenfold by Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Because if you read between the lines among the other big conferences, right, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was on quietly all summer the same committee that recommended the 12-team playoff. And as you can imagine, at the time, we all thought, well, maybe the 12-team playoff is a little more access for other programs. Not if there's a 16-team SEC that has Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, everybody else, right? Um, So, you know, whether it's the AAC or the Big 12, I mean, we we don't need to spend a ton of time on those conferences, I don't think. I think there is an argument to be made, and clearly the AAC is making it, that they are the they are actually a better product from a football standpoint than the remaining big 12 schools, um, which may or may not be the case, but certainly like Cincinnati, Memphis, UCF, USF may make a more compelling case. Um, the big 12 without Oklahoma is a whole right. bunch of nothing ball, nothing ball games. And I think years. the other problem for the big 12 is, you know, if I'm a remaining big 12 member, I got to look out for my own backside now. And people forget the AAC, while those schools that I just named may be good, better products in football than, for example, you know, Kansas State or Texas Tech long term. um, Academics do come into this a little bit and right. A school like everyone's making these claims like, well, so and so will just go so such and such a place. Well, no, like. The Big Ten might take Kansas, a tier one research institution in the AAU, but they're not taking those other, they're not taking K-State or Texas Tech and these, you know, jumped up community colleges. That's just not the way this is going to go. You know, West Virginia is probably actually pretty well positioned, I would think, in both the ACC and the Big Ten, but I just don't know that they bring any particular money. I don't don't know know what they really add. Right. Like you got to I mean, yes, everyone talks about Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's been very they continue to be very consistent that they're not going full time to any conference. That's the big, that's the big prize out there. That's that what is every the only wants. prize remaining, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you could argue Kansas because of basketball, despite their steaming pile of NCAA violations on the on tap right now. Um, you know, Kansas basketball is an attractive product to everyone else, right? The ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, I don't know what makes the most sense. But in general, I think a 16-team Super League SEC makes the chances of reshuffling somewhere else because I don't know that it, you know, playoff access goes down for everyone else, right? If there's a big Super League out there. So that's the first thing um, is the playoff. From a JMU perspective, we should just say, Let's start with t- today's, was it today or yesterday? <laughs> this afternoon, um, President Alger and Jeff Bourne, the athletics director, put out a joint statement. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but they essentially said what we've said all along. We are monitoring the situation. Yeah, just they um, didn't use, at least they didn't use those words, but that's what it meant. We're now evaluating the situation instead of monitoring the situation. But yes, they did. Um I don't blame them. Some people were kind of jumping that they said they started out and I made a 
a little bit of a joke that, you know, the statement started with, we're, we're happy in the CAA. Um, you know, what are you going to do? What do you want them to do? Like, they don't have anywhere to go. Yet. Yeah. I mean, that's so, just like, you're not <laughs> politics. Everybody's right. like, oh, you're, they're playing both sides. Well, they, that's kind of their job. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can't just say we hate our situation. Um, right. What's, what does the CAA, CAA have to gain from that? You don't want to burn the bridge when you're still in the league. You don't want to burn mm-hmm. the bridge ever. You know, um, so I, I don't, I don't really agree with that criticism. I do think it was kind of more of the same. It's just kind too. of stating the same thing. But I think that's because the position hasn't changed. I, if you're paying attention, Jamie, Jamie has been willing to make a move, if, 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 if the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. So all they did was speak up and kind of say, "Yeah, we're still here. We're still monitoring." It, Somewhat was probably in response to that interview that uh, Benson gave, you know, the yep. former Sunbelt, just to say, like, you know, and then Wood Seelig gave an interview where he was kind of saying, I don't know what, what Jamie's intentions are. And then when state like, hey, we're, we want to do what's best for the school. We're still here, guys. This stuff, it, I mean, the, those statements are for the fans. The real actions go. It's not like they sent that statement out and be like, oh, now let's sit back and wait by the phones for all these leagues to call us. You right. got to trust that they're doing their job as well. Um the one key thing for me, and Todd, maybe you can you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is have they issued a joint statement? I don't recall Alger. No, this, that was the probably to me that was the most significant factor in this uh, yeah, release today. Too. To the extent there's anything noteworthy, um, I also thought it found it interesting that the DNR, the Daily News Record, this has not been Medea chasing this story. This has been Shane Metlin chasing this story, um, and I don't think that's unintentional either. I mean, I, I hope we'll get to talk to Medea before the season starts. Congrats on, on yeah. the wedding. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, we've Medea's in always in a tough position because he needs access to the football program and not to piss people off. And I think that we've seen the DNR in the past um, turn to some of their other talent uh, to press on these kind of external issues in when it's kind of, I mean, we are kind of in season from a Medea standpoint now. Yeah, you I mean, know, I think if this was happening, if this right. was happening during basketball, we'd see we'd see it the, the other way. Yeah. Right, and that's that. So I think it's important. I think that's important. But I do think I think from an internal politics, to me, the fact that President Alger, you know, what it seems like is they're getting pressed. They're getting pressed by alums. They're getting pressed by their board. They're getting pressed by the press, the local press, um, to talk about realignment. And I, I am encouraged, at least, that Alger was part of the joint statement because that also means the Board of Visitors, his boss, is likely in the loop on all this, you know. It means um, there's, a, there's, there's a plan and there's discussions. We don't know right. what, they, what the plan is, but at least there's a plan. And I don't – look, I don't know if that statement makes a bit of difference in terms of creating opportunities. I don't think it does for reasons I just stated. But I do think it's pretty clear that – Alger and the board are willing to make a move under some conditions. Yep. I have not felt that way in the past. I have felt that Bourne was doing everything he could to position the school and other people might have been, but I didn't know if he had the support. Um, this still, it might be somebody holding out for some ridiculous set of circumstances. I don't know, but at least it seems like it goes beyond the athletic department. Yeah. And I mean, there's all kinds of things. I don't know that we're going to go back into tonight, like all of the op- you know, ins and outs in terms of Title IX effects and fundraising and everything else, we can't kind of cover the whole landscape. But clearly, if Alger is part of this, then that means that the board is aware that all this turnover. I mean, you got to remember, the Board of Visitors is comprised of some people like Mike Battle, who are, you know, like us, very plugged into college athletics, and other people who couldn't Don't tell really a football from a baseball bat, <laughs> you know, like um, who care a lot about the theater program or whatever, you know? Uh, so th- this is, uh, I think it's very good. That's a good sign. If nothing else, I don't think there's anywhere to go yet. I did think um, the Metlin piece with Benson, the former Sunbelt commissioner. I mean, a couple of things we should talk about here. Let's just talk about a couple of conference things, Rob. Whether it's 2012, we had the dalliance with CUSA, or 2013, the Sunbelt invite that Benson referred to, my sense was always that Bourne was way ahead of the president and the board at the time. And this, to me, what happened this summer reads to me like Bourne is in lockstep with all of those people that the other decision makers. So that's a yeah, good thing, I, I right? Agree. 
And then the second thing is, I mean, there was some talk, and I think Benson, I don't know if it was that article that Metlin mentioned, you know, obviously the possibility of Conference USA splitting in two is if they maintain their automatic bid to the NCAA basketball tournament and other postseason competitions where that's, uh, you know, an issue is become super attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a CUSA East that contains Old Dominion and Marshall, that's way more attractive. I will say for all the people that, you know, we've been over this a hundred times. We did this show once a year, Rob, for 12 years. Yeah. Conference USA used to be well ahead of the Sun Belt for me. That's the opposite now for a lot right. of reasons. Yeah. Don't you think? Um, oh, I, yeah. mean, right? I mean, the Conference USA is the, the they are the CAA of of FBS, in my opinion, right? There are only two things you're trying to do with your television deal. One is, uh, this is, uh, you know, some credit to Alex Kirshner here from Split Zone Duo, but one is make money, which neither the CAA nor the Conference USA have done. And the other is improve, like, availability and distribution for your fans, which both of those conferences have completely screwed up on an epic level, mm-hmm. right? Conference USA bounces around from... The uh, like all kinds of network they they make flow sports look good so yeah. I I don't I, you know like let's not and they and have I that used, basketball tournament that's like an AAU thing with the curtains up the curtain in the middle just, and oh, <laughs> yeah so awful. and we used to poo poo the fun belt right the the sun belt seemed ridiculous and it was a bunch of schools that didn't matter and it was far away but since that time back in 2013 the sun belt has added. App State and Georgia Southern, two teams we actually used to care about and we would care about again in, in terms of, you know, both geography and just tradition. Um, both of those teams have done very well in the Sun Belt. And I think it's fair to say, Rob, that the Sun Belt has probably become, you know, the Mountain West is its own animal because of geography. But after the AAC, the Sun Belt to me has risen above, at least in football terms, both Conference USA and the MAC pretty significantly over the last like five years. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a consistent winner. You look at what Coastal did last year. I don't know if UAB has the peak. UAB has been very good. Um, I mean, Georgia Southern picks up big wins every now and again. Like even Georgia State has improved. It's still Georgia State's going to be improving. I think with the new yeah. stadium, and everything, or new old stadium, and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly better than it was before entering the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. So yes. yeah, I definitely. I think it's just it's a better league overall. Yeah, but I, I mean, in general, all of this is, and, and I don't know, right? The Sun Belt is an ESPN committed league, and Conference USA is not. So we we don't know. I don't know where any of this is going, Rob. But I think JMU fans, I'm with you. The idea of tweeting at the American is not helping us right now. Um, you know, do it if you think it's funny. Have at it, but like. Nobody really seriously thinks that makes a difference, right? Do they? I don't think so. Look, look, we, they're just joking. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that behind the scenes, I mean, in the same way that, you know, this nonsense that we've seen from uh, some of the schools like Florida State and Clemson saying, well, we haven't talked to the SEC. It, they, what they didn't say is, but ESPN called us on behalf of the SEC to gauge our interests, right? That um, Kansas has not said, you know, we're talking to the Big Ten, but they also didn't say, well, the Big Ten might have called us, right? Like, um, you know, these things, everybody's being very um, cagey about this. I think there's a lot of general counsels involved in these statements. And yeah, I, I just, I don't know what it means for JMU. I think we need significant, more significant movement, which I do think is more likely because of the Super League SCC, right? I mean, yeah. Well, and know, it could be, if there's also for a full-on Super League, Super League, you know, 24 teams or the whole consolidation of it into a, into a walled system. You know, that playoff right. could disappear. The, the playoff with the path for the G5, highest-ranked G5, that could disappear if the P5 kind of reconstitutes as whatever, a P4. P40, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is the real concern, right? I mean uh, – you know, we've already heard rumblings about a uh, sort of a Rose Bowl summit, for lack of a better term, but maybe a Big Ten, Pac-10, old school, like, 
maybe we'll agree to form our own Super League, like, you know, the old Rose Bowl conferences. Um, the other thing that nobody's talking about is the fact that until this news broke, the big NCAA talk this summer was, is the NCAA dying? Is it about to go away with name, image, image and At least in football it is. Here. And football, like, what's going to, like, the, the whole thing could be irrelevant. The, yeah. the, the whole line between professional and amateur has been so blurred forever. Now it's not nearly as blurry. Um, I'm not one for slippery slope arguments, but they did get over this. Okay, there's some way to compensate them now beyond cost. What is it? Cost of attendance. You got cost of uh-huh. name image likeness. Yep. You do start to wonder, like, they've got the power. What does the NCAA really do? They run these championships. Football is not one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a very real possibility that they could just say, this is not worth it. We've got all these TV, we've got TV deals directly from our conferences. It's not coming to the NCAA um, for football. Now, what's the NCAA going to kick them out for basketball? Hold hold them hostage via March Madness? Right. Well, that works both ways. And that's a pretty big game of chicken for the NCAA to play because yeah. they've got that contract for the tournament. But if they lose, they kick out, you know, the SEC, the, the Pac-12, the Big Ten and everything. Okay, as much as we love mid-major upsets, they're not yeah. as exciting if the upset is JMU over Creighton. You know, right. I'd be thrilled, but it's not the same thing as UMBC over UVA. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what draws people into the early rounds. Mm-hmm. So the NCAA probably isn't going to have anything to fight back with if these guys do decide, hey, we're, you know what? There's no more, no more thing as P5 football or, right. or no more association with the NCAA. Right. We will continue. We will do it our own way. It'll be bigger, better, and we're going to keep all the money and we're going to not need to deal with all these recruiting rules and other violations. We're just going to do it our own way. What's the yeah. answer we're going to do? Yeah, I, I completely. And I also think that's going to, that is the kind of thing that forces a reckoning among the, the, the group of schools that are not in the like 20 yes. or 30 that make a, that actually turn profit here. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we were, sort of talking about the position West Virginia's in, um, you know, not saying things are dreadful, but, you know, nobody wants to pay. Like the whole reason Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC is because people want to pay to watch Alabama play Texas in September, right? It's like someone will pay to watch that. And that's not, I'm not, not, not faulting them for that. I will probably watch that, you know, like no one wants to pay to watch Clemson keep playing Wake Forest over and over. And like, I think even some of those schools are going to have to think about what they want to do. And then, you know, we'll see if, you know, the big 10, for example, right. Who's held themselves out to this allegedly high academic standard over and over and held their nose at everyone, Uh, you know, Ohio state's not going to wait around (laughs) because you want to have a tier one research institution forever. Like I, I don't, you know, I, I, all of this, I think there's a lot more to, to go here. I am, I'm just, it's just, I feel like I'm beating my head in the wall, but I'm encouraged by the position that JMU, I, at least that I feel like they're ready and everyone is on the same page. Um, I don't know. And I don't think it would be the worst thing, Rob, if, if those 40 schools want to break away and do their own thing in football, that's not the worst thing either. Like, you know, from a JMU perspective, we're just trying to play. I, I don't know. I mean, we've always talked about it. I'm not sure that it's the same binary decision that we used to have FBS versus FCS. It's kind of like. For me, it's not. I think no. I've tried to articulate in the past. For me, it's about finding like-minded institutions that are committed to have the same sort of experience. It's, we, you gave the example of Clemson beating up Wake Forest. What are a lot of JMU fans who aren't too thrilled about seeing JMU beat up Rhode Island or JMU beat up, Correct. you know, insert FCS school here. Mm-hmm. It's nearly impossible for JMU to put together a full regular season schedule that will have the majority of the fan base excited every week. Correct. Try as they might. They, they did a good job this year with Weber State, but there's just aren't enough teams at that caliber are willing to go play every week. So you're always going to have, uh, you know, a Morgan State, a Moorhead State, a yep. St. Frank. The NEC is improving, but still, come on. It's, come it's on. not the same level. Um, and at a certain point, it just it becomes a little ridiculous where JMU is just beating up on programs that don't take it as seriously, that are using it as a payday to yep. fund their, you know, less resourced program. Um, it's, it's exactly analogous to your Wake Forest, to your Wake Forest, Forest versus Clemson. 
Um, I, I know this won't be popular, but if this thing does blow up and Jamie finds himself outside looking in, mm-hmm. I think you need to look at a realignment of costs. It, is it still too. worth spending all that money? And I, I, I think Bourne has kind of gotten to, to strut a little bit, rightfully so, about his with his vision, which is we're going to commit to the full athletic program, try to have success across the board. They've done that. Um, but we spend a lot of money. And everybody's like, the, the craziest thing for me is when people who justify Jamie's readiness by saying they already spend more than this school and that conference or this school. I don't know if that's something we should be bragging about. Right. Like, it's like, oh, look, we're, we're such, we're, not only does it directly translate to the success we've had, it's also saying like, okay, well, these other schools are already playing at the FBS level, able to spend less. Now, they're not having the same success that JMU is, but if they drop down and outspent the competition, sometimes what, what appears to be like two to one, mm-hmm. like, they could probably do it too. So um, I'm perfectly comfortable with the way, well, I'm not perfectly comfortable. I, I do question some of this, like, what are we spending? If there's not an immediate plan, to mm-hmm. really take the program next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a certain point, you just got to dial back the spending. I'm sorry. It, it, there's greater needs. Yeah. And I think that the question is, what is the next level? That's what we all need to like kind of get our heads around now is the next level is not <laughs> the ACC or the SEC, right? Which may or may not, you know, both of those things may not exist in <laughs> five years right or there, at least there might right. be walls up around the p5 so that dream of ever ascending like oh no, 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 this move the five, that might firmly you know the gates might be locked around that very shortly whenever this i'm thing not is, sure that they I, I i don't think that's a bad thing necessarily no like i, I really don't good. think that's a bad thing but i do think that jmu is more i think we all at this point and that's for this is sort of my point on the other end of the spectrum rob is for the fcs like don't move up, don't spend crowd. It's not kind of the same. It's not the same calculation as 10 years ago. Quite right. That's even you're saying that, which is like, you want to be playing. You pick your poison here, right? Whether it's app state or, you know, UTSA or whatever the program is that's sort of investing at the level that we are San Diego state, you know, we we are we are thinking of these schools as our more peers, peers than than we are with Rhode Island or Campbell or you know insert your FCS middle tier school here. Um, so and that's kind of where this like there's just you look around at the FCS playoffs the last few years and there's just nobody that looks like JMU, and that includes some of the bigger names in FCS. Right. Because we're spending and our all sports prowess and spending is totally different level than Weber State or South Dakota State or Montana State. You know, we're just looking around. They, they may be our peer in football because of recruiting in the way the world, like sort of the way that sport functions. But they're not rolling out College World Series teams and lacrosse national champions, you know, like or and part of it is like we're. we're... JMU is in a state that has a lot of FBS programs. So in order to compete at any level, you do need to spend more. That's different than, you know, we were saying BYU has a very distinct recruiting pattern that kind of is national. They're not relying on Utah does too, but that's it. Utah does too, but yeah. And you, but you don't have Virginia tech, you don't have UVA, you don't have old dominion, you don't have Liberty. You don't have schools like Maryland that dip into Virginia, Penn state dips into Virginia, um, Clemson, you know, the top tier programs are going to, always be on the radar for the ACC. So it's a very competitive recruiting environment, which forces you to raise your your spending and your game appropriately. Um, North Dakota State has kind of wide open geography, far fewer people. There are mm-hmm. challenges with that, but it's not the same sort of thing. You need to be good in a number of different ways. It's not simply outspending or keeping up with the Joneses. You know, you're recruiting kids that don't have other schools in 500 miles. So. Right. Um, one thing on the recruiting front, Rob, it feel, does it feel to you? I, I'm really nervous. I can't wait to talk to Medea and Evangelista at some point more in depth about this. This feels like a very, um, it feels like the recruiting is really. feels like it's ahead of Yeah, right? like there's some real momentum and some real positive things happening in recruiting right now. Um, you know, not just in football, but I mean, I think we see it in basketball. We see it in other sports as well. But particularly in football, I'm noticing it lately. 
Um, I, you know, there's a part of me that always stops short of getting excited because a you and I try to stay out of recruiting, and B like there's a very like 2010 2011 Mickey feel here too, right? Yeah. Where like I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, I feel like we're like in a heyday. Maybe it's just that the whoever the media team is is doing a better job. I, you know, back in the heyday of Zach Lance producing videos and stuff. Like I don't know. Maybe we just look cooler. But uh, well, I think there's also more people paying attention. You know, so there's yeah. more. There's a bigger JMU presence, and so there's more people looking out for this. You and I, like you, you mentioned, we don't look for this stuff, but it pops up in our timeline because people follow retweeting it and they they seek it out. So some of it is that. Um, it is exciting. These players seem pretty legit. They seem to be pretty talented. That always kind of worries me. I think if you're at JMU, if you're FCS, you got to get those, you got to be kind of first mover advantage, be the first one to show them love, give them the scholarship, and then kind of fend off the bigger programs that tend to come in with the JMU level recruits and pick them up as other guys fall through. Well, and this is a hard thing yeah. with this whole FBS discussion right yes. now, too, because I do think that there is more awareness from players and high school coaches and families and everyone around these players that like, you know, especially in the day of name image likeness, like playing for a three and eight old dominion team may not be any better than playing for, you know, a 14 and one semifinalist JMU team with lots of national love. Right. Oh, I, don't, I don't think it is better. I think it's, not better. You, it's better, but I will say, you know, as much as, this is going to really irk people. Playing for a 500 Virginia Tech team still matters to a lot of people. Oh, that, that, you know, that, that's like, and we've seen many, many times where Jamie's got a big recruit who gets an 11th hour offer from Virginia Tech, or it's obvious to everybody on the planet mm-hmm. that that player's only getting it because the five players Virginia Tech won ahead of him fell through, and right. they still take it, and they don't appear to have any regrets. Right. Um, there's there's certain programs. Like I, th- I think Virginia Tech is one of those. It's still it's a big name. Yeah, I think that's that's a tough situation for Jamie because there are guys now the the top tier guys that want to play and mm-hmm. really make a difference. Yeah, I I don't know. They're just going to settle for the brand name. But I think some of these kind of almost tweeners or fringe guys, those are the ones you seem to lose. That quarterback we had a couple years ago uh, yeah. who went. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. Good luck to these people. But people, my point is, people have their reasons. And that is a reason that still exists. People still get excited about Virginia Tech football in the state. As they should. It's a, it's a good program. Yeah, yeah. We'll see them in 2025. Um, <laughs> but 11 former Dukes being in training camp right now speaks for itself. Yeah. Right. And if you get to play and, you know, like if Percy has the season we're all hoping he's going to have, he's going to get a look. <laughs> you know, yeah. like no, I mean, all these guys, right, there's five first-team All-Americans preseason right now, they're going to get looks. If they, There's a million ways to look at the decision yeah. if you're a high school kid. Um, mm-hmm. And we can point to countless examples of people doing, you know, making the decision to go to the JMU over insert school, you know, FBS school here. And it worked out great for them. Just mm-hmm. in terms of, even if they didn't go to the NFL, where I think they would say, yeah, I'm, that was a great decision. Right. I got to play in all these playoff games. I got to contribute. You know, I, I got significant playing time early in my career. I started for two years. Versus they might have high school teammates who had a good experience at whatever, Penn State or mm-hmm. Maryland, but but really didn't see the field or mm-hmm. kind of just played mediocre. And the highlight was maybe the Gasparilla Bowl. Okay, mm-hmm. that, there's there's logic to everybody's decision. Mm-hmm. Man, there's, there's a lot of upside to going and just being in a competitive program yeah. that's going to win every time, play in front of a packed house. And like you said, if, you, if you're good, the NFL's going to find you. Oh, yeah. Well, and tying this all the way back to the realignment discussion, I mean, I know I have this irrational fear of this is a repeat of like latter, late era Mickey, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I do think both JMU and and to a certain lesser extent Villanova um, for different reasons went through this two or three year period where they were kind of selling bigger recruits on something that didn't materialize for either program. Now I don't feel like that's like, that's not the sales pitch. Like JMU may move, things may change, but I don't think you're selling them on like, oh, we're moving to a bigger conference, so you should come here. No. I think that's just a. They're selling them on the future is going to get better because you're going to come here and play better, and we're going to win more games. Correct. I think that's. It's not like oh, get in now right. before we make the jump. Ooh, right. Yeah, and I th- and I also think you have schools like App State um, that I really think of as a peer who 
have proven like this can work mm -hmm. even if you're not like their app state is not going their goal was never to go to the aac or the acc that may be yeah. that may have changed in the time they've been in the Sun Belt, but like they've proven that you can be successful like everyone doesn't have to be odu sorry i'm just crapping on ODU yeah. here but you know like everyone doesn't have to be odu like you can be successful it's just how do you measure that success? And I know there are JMU fans out there who will continue to say like, well, I'd rather go to Frisco than go to the Camellia Bowl like, or whatever. That's after goes. And that's fine. Yeah. You may you may be right, right? But I just, I think it's for different It's also people. valid to say, I'd, it's yeah. also valid to say I'd rather get more excited about the regular season than I currently do. Right. I'd rather have UNC coming to play a home game here, yeah. you know, like, or whatever, like every so often. Right. Georgia, it doesn't need to be that. It's like, I'd rather have Georgia Southern and App State and just like-minded mm -hmm. resource schools. Um, that is the key. You and I have struggled with this and struggled. It seems like a bit yeah. of a stretch, but like we've struggled to not face every game, regular season game, as a referendum on Jamie's ready, readiness for the playoffs. Yeah. And I think that's because some of these games are not as compelling on an island, taking just like just the Saturday experience. That is the argument that people have successful. The, the pro FBS crowd, mm -hmm. that is the argument they've made that personally has resonated with me. Mm -hmm. I get that. I don't really care. The bowl game, whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I like the playoffs. I. But the playoffs are difficult. I mean, from the playoffs a fan, are tough. I, I don't go to a lot of them. From the perspective, the, we, we, we really struggle with attending playoff games. Like, we have you know, we've made it a priority and, and we work and try to plan and go to Frisco if we can, but it's tough when you have three home additional playoff games in December and then you go to the Frisco, like, I, and we're not the only ones. Yeah. The crowds you, back that up. Yeah. I mean, people make fun of whatever the Bahamas ball. Oh, there's only 10,000 people in the stands. Have they looked at the attendance for the playoffs? Right. 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 <laughs> like, I, I yeah. Well, and if I give our friends a month to plan for a trip to Mobile or Boca or the Bahamas, instead of like a week to plan for a trip to Lehigh, like, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, right? That always gets tough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we've probably hashed this out. I think our main takeaway is we don't know the answer. We're not telling anyone how to think or do anything or how to act about this, but yeah. I just think there's more things that have to happen this summer. I think they're more likely to happen because of the recent shift. Um, but I don't, um, you know, from a JMU perspective, I don't think it's going to be just like JMU goes to a conference. I think the conferences, the conferences are going to come to JMU. I did like, I, and look, I don't know how tied in Benson is or what he knows or doesn't know, but I did enjoy that he said like, he wasn't sure if JMU was better or worse positioned for the move because they stayed in FCS. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, so who knows? It was, it was, it was a good article. It was well-reported. It's a guy that was speaking to a JMU reporter. Well, same old shit. Yes. Yeah, it it's an ex-commissioner who was speaking to a JMU reporter. He's not going to trash the school. He's no. clearly, you know, and he clearly wanted Jamie. He was honest about that. He said he sat in Bourne's office and said, we're ready to go, you know. Um, so in some sense, he's got to defend his logic and be like, I was right then, I'm right now. Um, I think that's nice. I think it's certainly complimentary. Him saying that Jamie was the best positioned FCS school. What else are you going to say? You have no credibility if you say there's anybody else. Name another FCS school. No, no. That it, yeah, it's, problem... it's not particularly close. Years ago, I think 10, 15 years ago, people would have assumed Delaware would be in the mix. Eh, not not really. Um, they're trending up after last year, but Villanova isn't really that focused on football. And what do they uh, care anymore? They don't, it's not, it hasn't, it's, they've clearly proven in their main sport that it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, their concern, Villanova's concern back in the early teens was that they would lose you know, that their basketball would be worse positioned if they didn't have FBS have football. football, right? And yeah. in the end, they've won two national championships and they don't really care. Like, yeah. you know? so it's, it's over. Yeah. I mean, JMU is best positioned. I don't know what that means, though. And it still does come down to there, there are other sports to think about. Yeah, who knows? We've had this over and over. Rob, so, I got a question for you. Yeah. We got a, um, anything you wanted to talk about the Olympics? <laughs> I did. No, I did I just, see. I, 
I, I saw Noah Lyles get the bronze. I thought that was cool. And then I read his comments afterwards. I have not gone and seen the video, but that seemed particularly impressive. I don't know if you even know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, but the guy runs the 200. He's from Virginia, from Alexandria, actually. Um, I thought he spoke pretty, pretty openly and honestly about the struggles of the kind of mental health, particularly how it hit him during COVID mm-hmm. and how proud of he was of himself and how it was really, uh, speaking of his brother, I, don't know, I thought it was very touching. And that's been my biggest takeaways. I know other people are very put off by athletes kind of putting their feelings first and maybe putting less emphasis on gold or bust and more on the overall experience. To me, that's been the best thing about these Olympics, mm-hmm. seeing people kind of stand up and say, you know what, I'm more than my success on the field or the court or in the pool or whatever. And I'm really going to get out here and I'm going to do it for myself. I thought Simone Biles showed tremendous grace in winning the bronze and saying how that meant more to her than any of her other medals. And um, it was also a little heartbreaking for her to say, for the first time, I realized I'm more than my gymnastics accomplishments. And, and Lyle's indicating the same thing. Like he came to the realization that he's more than just a track star. He's no, like, that to me is really cool. Seeing the New Zealand rugby rugby players interview. I don't know if you yeah, saw Yeah, she was awesome. It, yeah. just, it was just awesome. Like it, to me, the, the high jumpers. The high jumpers sharing a goal. And By the way, and who like had helped each other through their through injuries, through yeah, dual they, Achilles tears, like over yeah. the last time we like totally know each other. Like, yeah. I mean, it, there's so much of like, oh, you're too soft and you're too this and winner go home and all these people are lousy and it's the wistification. Near and dear to your heart, the skateboarding where they all run out on the course and cheer for the person that yeah. falls down every time. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much cynicism in the world and there's so much to dislike about the Olympics and yes. greed, and we can talk about in the pandemic and whatever, and, and how basically no local area ever wants them and it just never pays off. And, <laughs> yeah. So they talk about the Olympic spirit, but it's been hidden for years, just at the expense of everything else. And I think it's coming forward a little bit more. And that's, it has been. that's been touching for me. Uh, and yeah. I really enjoyed that. I just want to encourage everyone while the Olympics are still going on, you've got a few more days, please visit NBCOlympics.com. This is the best thing on the internet in some time. Um, yeah. I shared this with Rob and our ticket group a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. I was look trying to find a schedule for, I really wanted to watch mountain biking and the cycling, the road races at the beginning of the Olympics, Rob, is how mm-hmm. this started. I was coming off the big month of watching the tour and, uh, you know, biking a lot myself this summer and just was interested in this sport and, uh, wanted to watch those. And I was trying to figure out at what time, you know, four o'clock in the morning is this on and what channel. And I stumbled into the NBCOlympics.com website where they have athlete photos that they appear to have taken as they disembarked the plane. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand. They look like mug shots yeah. or like selfies after a drunk night out. Like, yeah. And some of these people are international superstars. Like my favorite ones are the golf and tennis people. This is like Rory McIlroy and Serena Williams. Like, massive international superstars who have like thousands of like publicly available glamour shots on the internet. But somehow NBC Olympics has (laughs) pictures that look like they got picked up after a night out with George Jones. Like, I don't understand. Like it's a shot with an old flip phone. No, Brianna Stewart. Like these people are like famous people who like, (laughs) Like they look like they're they're like in a mirror in a bathroom. I just I, I encourage you to please go look at the athlete photos on NBCOlympics.com and look for your favorite professional athlete and you will be amazed. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, just one plug, Rob. Sometimes we talk about books on here. Uh, one of my two two of my favorite books are there's an old book uh, called Once a Runner, and then there's a sequel to that book called Again to Carthage. So anyone that cares at all about any kind of distance sport or Olympic sport type things, um, these are novels. They're mm-hmm. about a guy. They're probably they probably don't hold up well in everything, but um, they were written about like twenty five years apart. The first one is Once a Runner. If you can find it anywhere, it's awesome and it's kind of about like the what happens to these athletes after the Olympics are over. Um, in these hmm, that sounds things. interesting. Yeah, in the sports where you like sort of build your entire career towards this one event, one peak. Yeah, yeah, and then it's that's the end. Like that really is the end. Um, just I, I found them to be fascinating books. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. I know. I don't know if we had anything else. I think we were going to talk about MTV or something, right, Rob? 
Oh yeah, we, I, I honestly I didn't really put any thought into that. I threw that out there because I think it was like the 40th anniversary, and it feels like 40 years since I've watched it. Um, I, I don't even know what channel it's on. I assume I get it on cable, but I have no idea. We we could have gone back and done some sort of nostalgia favorite shows or things we yeah. couldn't watch, but I we'll honestly see. after the text, I, yeah, we we got time. Yeah, Chase Kitty, we we are definitely coming back to old JMU stories. I've got a little list right here in front of me. I, I did start writing these down as my fuzzy recollections. Um, for those of you asking for off-season 90s JMU stories, I, I, I'm i almost embarrassed by how bad some of these are now, Rob. <laughs> like, oh, they're bad. I remember waking up at the house one time going downstairs, and I won't name names, but several of our friends had stolen a bike rack with three bikes on it and brought it back to the house. <laughs> I don't know what the logic was, what they planned to do, how they right. thought they would just, I, I don't even know how they got away with it. Like, did right. they just move it in front of some other house? Or, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that one jumped out. I did actually, me, Rob, Rob, you'll appreciate this. So my trip to McGackiesville this past weekend, we did a bike tour. So our buddy who lives down there near Massanutten uh, has been renovating his house for like a year and put in a pool and like a whole little outdoor area and wanted to invite all the like kind of our Bryce crew down and a bunch of us rode. We did a ride all the way from Bryce down kind of around. So we didn't go through Harrisonburg, but kind of back roads. So we didn't have to be on any of the main roads. Um, and we stopped at Melrose city gas station. Oh, um, that was our one like pit stop on the way was By Melrose you know, caverns. Yeah, we bought like soda and more water and chips and stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, we took a picture with the Melrose sign in the background. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know how to get there. I feel like I got on the bus. I'd look around. It was dark. We'd make a turn kind of by where Mossy Creek is now. And then 10 minutes later, we'd be there. And I never figured out how to get there. Oh, well, I didn't know this weekend. I mean, I ridden my bike for like 35 miles at that point and didn't. Yeah. I, and then all of a sudden we like popped out on. Yeah. Route 11 or whatever that is, and, and we were there. And I was like, Melrose. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I still didn't know. So I'm surprised it's still there. Yeah, there were like seven of us, and I was definitely not like the navigator to this trip. Mm -hmm. So, it, yeah, it was all a surprise to me again. So, yeah, that was awesome. That's hilarious. But, yeah. Anyways, well, good to talk to you, Rob. And, yeah, uh, good talking to you, too. Hopefully, realignment. Look, we'll, we will have an emergency pod if there's any news at some point this month. Um translated there will be no emergency pod. There will be no emergency pod. Um, we will be back on a consistent schedule probably well we'll be back every week Several weeks yeah uh, there's one monday we need to rearrange but yeah yeah it's training camp time so looking forward to it rob yeah it starts this week all right all right have a good one all right go dukes Change the situation. Miscommunication leads to complication. My emancipation don't be joy.